Well, hey, mamas. Happy weekend. Hope that you were enjoying some summer weather, whatever that finds you, and I hope that you're well. Today, I'm really excited for you to hear the story of Candace Peppers. Candace and I have actually never met, but we're both friends with one of my favorite people, Sandy, who I interviewed just a couple of weeks ago. And Sandy had connected Candace and I, um, but she had already shared with me a little bit about her amazing story. She's a mom of five, a retired teacher after 18 years, a singer in a band, a writer, and she was Miss Mississippi. So I'm really excited to dive into her story and share that with you guys today. Thanks for joining us today's episode of Memoirs from the Minivan. Well, hey Candace, thanks so much for joining me today. Now, do you go by Candace or Candy? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. Candace, Candace more now that I'm like way on in my adult years. Gotcha. But, you know. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, how's it going? Doing really good. Good. Um, busy, weird time of our lives. Right. Um, but, you know, we're pushing through like you got to do. That's right. That's right. Well, you and I haven't ever even talked before, so that's kind of fun. Um, but right. we both know Sandy, and I feel like that makes yes. us kind of fast friends. <laughs> so awesome people. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for taking a risk and jumping in on this kind of crazy dream train of mine. Absolutely. Um, so Absolutely. you glad to do it. Yeah. So you sent me a little bio, um, which mm-hmm. was like four short paragraphs, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's a couple of novels in those sentences. There's, there was so much there. So um, I'll just let you start by giving the listeners just a little uh, idea of who you are. Okay. I mean, you know, there's there's so many things to any life. Um, I am a mom. I'm here in. Uh, Middle Tennessee, I have five um, somewhat newly adopted children. They've been in my life for four years now. I was an instant mom. Um, I had no children one night, and I had five the next night. Wow. Um, And so, you know, this has been a big time of adapting to a lot of changes in life um, for both my husband and I, And, and trying to incorporate who I was before they came and keep some of that after they've been here. So, you know, basically my life is right now a balancing act, and some days I get it really great, and some days it leans way heavy in one direction or the other. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Cool. Um, So I know one of the things you put in there was that you came to Tennessee, or maybe, I don't know if you came to Tennessee for Opryland, but that was something that you did early on was you were singing at Opryland, and I'm assuming when it was like Opryland theme park? He was. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. yeah, back in the back in the mid '90s, one of the things, uh, in fact, my church youth group from North Mississippi, which is where I was born and raised, um, came to visit, came for a weekend sort of youth treat trip, whatever. Yeah. And visited Opryland, and um, I don't know if many people know it, but Opryland was one of the few, if not the only, park that had completely live music. I don't think um, I did know the, that. Okay. Yeah, the ba- we had live bands. 
um, live singers, you know, all the dancers were there. Yeah. Most parks use pre-recorded, inclu- including all the Disney, everything else, use pre-recorded music. But Opryland had live players, and that really attracted me to them. I watched the show and said, "Hey, I would love to audition for that." Yeah. And the next um, time the big audition troupe came through town. I did it and and got a part, and I was really tickled. And that sort of kind of brought me to Nashville for the first time. Gotcha. How long did you work for them? I worked for them at various seasons over the course of three years. I did a Christmas show with them. I did a show on the General Jackson with them. Okay. Um, One of their out-of-town Christmas shows. But I did um, two summers um, with the park. Very fun. best times of my life. Yeah, I bet. I love Opryland. In fact, literally my first podcast episode, I talked about the Wabash Cannonball roller coaster. Um, (laughs) because like that is one of the highlights of like, I think probably junior high, they, they closed it sometime when I was in high school and I was so mad. Um, like we needed another mall. Why, why do we have another mall? Um, because it was just so awesome that it was right there in Nashville. Um, it really is, um, a lost piece of history. I would love for my kids to have Opryland now. Yep. Um, with small children, I think, wouldn't that be such an awesome thing to have access to it on would. the weekends and have one of those season passes. So, yeah, I, I, re- I miss it a lot, too, from all, all kinds of perspectives. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great. Have you all been to Dollywood, though? Because it's pretty good, too. I, we took the kids last summer, um, and I was pretty impressed with it. They have a whole new section that's really awesome. I haven't been with the kids yet. The ki- my kids are so small, and because of their, their past, Taking all five of them anywhere and, and the fact that I'm not, you know, 25 anymore yep. um, makes taking all five at one time anywhere really difficult. I can imagine. The, you know, the restaurant. Sure. But um, we're kind of getting to that place where we're talking about, man, I really want to see them enjoy this or this or this. Mm-hmm. We carry two girls to Holiday World. Um, the, the, my girls are the oldest, too. Okay. So we carried them. And that was an amazing experience. But the little boys at that time were four, three, and two. Oh, girl. And so we said, no. I'm right there with you. (laughs) My youngest is three. And Uh um, we, this was true with my daughter, and it's true with him. Three is the worst year. Now, I haven't reached any teenage years yet, but my goodness, three for us with both children um, is the year of temper tantrums. They just tease you with terrible twos. That's not a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they and then I had I had two and three at the same time and then two and three at the same time. So they both gave each other a run for their money, but there is definitely a, a vocalization that a three year old has yep. that a two year old does not have. That's right. That's why three nager works and two nager does not, right? <laughs> I get it. I do. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the other things in your little intro, uh, Miss Mississippi. Tell me about that, and were you into pageants as a little girl, or how did all this come to be? No, it's kind of a crazy story. I mean, I had always watched it, like every little girl, especially in the South, you know, watching yep. Miss America when yes. it's on and, and pretends to be Miss America. But I was not interested, and I kind of thought it might be a little bit dumb to do. <laughs> um, when I was in college, a friend of mine 
I would say came really close to daring me to entering the brand new local um, competition that was in our county. Okay. Um, they were struggling to find girls to enter. And um, she said, I think you'd be really good at it. And they had this really cool sound system that I would get to sing on. Okay. And, you know, it was the early 90s, and I had not used one of those really cool cordless mics yet. So I found out it was going to be there, and so I entered just so I could use that sound system and sing on it. I love it. Um, and entered, told my parents, if I happen to win this, I will give it to the first runner-up, but there's no chance I'm going to win. That's hysterical. I wore my swimsuit from the summer. Um, I, you know, I just kind of halfway did the whole thing and won. Um, and then told my parents that I won. And I thought they would both say, you know, give it up. Give you're not you're not going to right. be this summer. And they were both thrilled. That is so, so cool. It started a path, and I went to Mississippi that summer, and I did I did not play, so I didn't make the top ten. I won talent my night. But I went home and said, I think I might be able to do this if I work really hard. Yeah. And and I skipped a year. I spent two years preparing and went back and, and won um, the following year and went to Miss America that fall. That is so, so cool. Yeah, it was sort of a, a bizarre thing. Um, I have a master's degree as a result, um, because the, the scholarship money That's completely awesome. paid for that master's yeah. degree and part, and part of my PhD. So that is so um, awesome. Now what's yeah. your master's and PhD in, or what it will be in? Um, my master's is in vocal performance. Okay. Um, I've done coursework to all the coursework to my PhD and it's an, it's actually not a PhD. It's a, an EDD, which is an educator's version of a PhD. Yep. Um, and I was a music educator for so long and I had the money to get the degree. And so I kind of went about go, doing it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I haven't done the last little bit of that, uh, work yet for the sure. doctorate and, and I may or may not, I'm not sure exactly what, how that's going to pan out. Gotcha. Um, anyway, I have, I have the education that's, that it took to get me there. I gotcha. So, Any big takeaways yeah. from your pageant days, things you feel like you really learned from that experience? Yeah, I mean, gosh, more than I can even speak to, but I, I kind of always seem to, whenever I've talked with other groups or, you know, children or girls, um, that the kind of the, the, the pageants, you know, I, I, I competed in four um, over my lifetime, and the ones I learned the most from were the ones I lost. Mm. Um, the one I won, you know, that's all fun and games and all sparkles, and but the ones I lost, I came back home and I was upset for a bit. Sure. Um, but they changed who I was far more than the one that I actually was successful in yeah so um that's sort of a i think a life lesson you know our our our, our kind of our pitfalls are sometimes the things where we gain the most knowledge mm -hmm. not necessarily our highs but our lows yeah and that's funny too because i feel like the highs are what get all the attention you know they bring yeah. you the crown and the flowers yeah. and all the things yeah. and you know but the ones where you go home in tears you're like well i didn't yeah. get anything but those life-changing experiences that's that's yeah. really good and then you come back from that once you're over the the bruises you say okay 
what didn't I, if you, especially if you have a, if you have the right perspective, yeah. you say, what could I have done better? And you know, how this made me, and, and honestly it came, I, I do believe that whole experience for me made me a really good, um, it gave me a good job interview. Yeah. And so when I was, you know, going for particular positions throughout my life, um, the, the skills that I learned from there, um, were invaluable. That's really helpful because I think sometimes in the modern world, you know, pageants have been glamorized and stuff. You've got yeah. all these reality TV shows, you know, these little pageant girls and they dress them up to look like, you know, Barbie right. dolls with all this makeup and stuff. But I do think, right. you know, there are some positive benefits like what you mentioned that we don't always, you know, consider. I competed in pageants as a little girl, little, little girl, really? like five, six, oh, seven cool. years old. Oh yeah. I had the big red poofy sparkly dress. <laughs> I think my mom put like 80 sponge rollers in my hair um for that I I literally bounced my hair just bounced as I walked down you know the little platform um but it was really good even as a younger girl just confidence and you know feeling confident in myself and um getting outside your comfort zone so it's balance you know you find you find the right balance of how important is this aspect versus this aspect and um, and, and I just, it's anything in life. You get a good balance of it. You'll, you'll do well. Yeah. And if you, if you keep your head on straight, you can use it to your advantage in life and, and learn from it. That's great. Okay. So we were just kind of talking about your girls, but obviously in listening to your story, um, and in your introduction and stuff, five kids and you had sent me their ages, um, when you guys got them, and I think it was like five, four, three, two, one, or or something. They're close, yeah. right? Yeah. When yeah, when when they came to live with me, they were um, the oldest was five, um, second oldest was three, then fourteen months, no, eighteen months, um, uh, eleven months. The 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 middle two were. Uh, 10 months apart. Wow. Um, and uh, then the baby was uh, 11 weeks old. Wow. Um, and yeah, so they were so, so tiny. Um, all of them were tiny and were small for their ages. Yeah. Um, and so even a, a five-year-old kind of functioned as a three-year-old in some ways. You know, yeah. They're all very, um, just, just um, a little bit uh, emotionally immature. Sure. Um, at that time. So it was really five babies. Yeah, it sounds like um, it. Well, can you tell us, you know, just about your story, the fostering, and then that led to adoption, and just yeah. kind of the story leading up to that? Yeah, um, it's, um, you know, ours is a shorter path than many people took. Sure. Um, my husband and I, um, we're both a, a little bit older. Um, we're in our, in our 40s, and we knew that biological children wasn't you know, it wasn't as likely for us. Yeah. Um, and so we gave ourselves a little bit of time on that happening. Um, but we knew that we would forge forward into adoption or foster care. And, and we did. Um, even some adoption agencies were a little bit hesitant at our age. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we said, then we're going to, then we're going to go this route. This, this, this sounds kind of cool to us and you know this sounds like an important thing to do and so we went through classes for foster care Mm -hmm. um uh, we were approved in june and we got a call in august wow this was our very first placement we were approved for two children because of the size of our home Mm -hmm. um 
but they said, could you take five for the weekends? Wow. Um, and we said, okay, we'll take them for the weekend. And um, then the weekend became Tuesday because there was a court date coming up. Um, and eventually the weekend became a permanent adoption. Wow. Um, um, we had a very young birth mother um, who was struggling to get things in order. And mm-hmm. as you can imagine, five children is very hard to do um, in any circumstance, but especially in a troubled one. Sure. Um, and um, we went through went through all the procedures to to help her move forward. And um, when we saw that it just wasn't going to happen, um, then um, the DCS came in and said, "Would you be willing to adopt these children?" Um, wow. We had not anticipated doing that, but by that time, two years in, you're in love. Oh yeah. And you cannot imagine putting them you know, back in the van that they came in and sending them somewhere else. Sure. So they were ours. Yeah. They, they were ours at that point. So, yeah. Um, it wasn't an easy, ours was easier than many that, um, than many that you hear about. We were really fortunate, um, that they were so young because a lot of the trauma that kids experience in foster care, they had not experienced. Mm. Um, um, so we were, we were really blessed in that aspect um but there are five lovely personalities and gorgeous children um and i couldn't love them any more than if i had given birth to every one of them yeah that's awesome yeah Yeah. my husband and i actually had taken foster care classes last summer and we had prayed about that for a long time and just really yeah. felt, you know, that that was something that we needed to do. We had space, we had resources and, yeah. um, but it was, uh, incredibly intense. Um, we have s- small children. So our yeah. oldest would have been six and our son would have been like two. Um, mm-hmm. when we were going through those classes, we both work full time. Um, yeah. and so ultimately the worker facilitating the class just said, mm-hmm you know, I don't think that this is a good fit for you guys just because you only want one placement and you want a young child because you still have young children. Um, and it was a little heartbreaking, um, for us because we felt, you know, pretty passionate about it. But when you dive into those classes and statistics and stories, um, it's a lot to take in, but then you hear stories like yours, um, you know, and it's just so redeeming and there's just so many amazing families out there that have been created, you know, just like that. So, Absolutely. Just, just out of, you know, just an overnight family. I mean, that's really what we are as an overnight family, but I encourage you don't, don't let, don't give up. Yeah. You know, as you, as you get older and you find your way more, you may find it even a better fit. And remember that every individual that speaks to you comes from their perspective. Sure. And each perspective is different. Um, And a different person, you know, leading you through that process would have a very different outlook on it. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Don't let one person's feelings about it completely guide you. Take it into consideration. Yeah. But get get that information from various places because someone else might feel completely different about, I mean, when your kids are little, it Mm -hmm. might, it might be that you, when they're, you know, five years down the road, 
it's even more perfect for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's so, something we, you know, we continue to talk about just yeah. that there's the right time, you know, for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, was there any like big moments or like just really great moments or really hard moments that have really, um, changed you or shaped you? There may be too many to even mention or count, but like as far as fostering and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Just in, yeah. In your story. Um, yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, well, I say you say big, but they're little really. Sure. They have big impact. It would be when they, you know, when the kids said, can I call you mom? Oh, um, because when they first came, they called us candy and candy and Johnny, my husband. Right. Um, because they, you know, they, we were still, when you enter foster care, the goal of foster care is reunification. Yep with their parent. That is the absolute goal. And you have to go in it with that, with that mindset, um, that I hope, um, that these kids can go back to their parents, that yep. everything will be fine. Yep. And then I open my heart to the next kids that need this place of respite for a while. Yeah. Um, but when they ask, can I call you mom? Mm. Um, and when, when one changes without even asking from calling you, we had one little guy that called my husband Gianni. His name's Johnny. He goes, Gianni. It was like he was a little Italian baby. It was so cute. Um, and he one day said, Dad. Aww. And those were really small things, but, you know, really huge moments that you feel like a family. Yeah. <clears throat> and we look at pictures, you know, that we were able to take. And, um, you know, they just look like a family. You know, they don't look like those were foster kids. It just yeah. looks it's a family. It's just so, your family. Um, yeah. 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 Well, I just small things. Yeah. I just appreciate you sharing all that because I know that, um, even moms in my circle, working mamas, you know, have that kind of idea sometimes or they've thought about it or they felt like, you know, it's been laid on their heart and it's scary. Um, it's just so many unknowns. And so I just appreciate your story and you sharing that. I really hope it encourages listeners out there who are considering it because it's just so needed. Thank you. It's important. You know, you think about it and, and, and I, I will say that so, I hear so many foster parents or potential foster parents to say, you know, I don't think I could, you know, it would be so hard on me to, to send them back. Yeah. And I just have to say, just think about how hard it is on them to have never known you. Yeah. You know, so that's just one of those important things that I'm constantly reminding people. It'd be, it's going to be hard on you, but how much harder is it on them to, you know, go somewhere with someone they don't trust yet or know yet. So it's all perspective. Well, I know you also mentioned that you and your husband, who you said is currently in law school, that y'all are working on some different things to sort of further advocate for foster children. Can you tell us a little bit about what y'all are working on, what y'all hope to do with that? Well, um, we are, and we're still working toward that. Um, once, after we adopted, you know, we're not a foster family anymore, and we right. have five small children, and so we aren't taking placements at this point. Um, but my husband was really frustrated, um, during the process about the lack of, you know, legal help that so many of the families were trying to find, just asking questions about the legal aspects of fostering and adoption. Uh, we had an amazing attorney that worked with us on ours, but a lot of the families did not. Yeah. So um, he was just kept saying, this is so frustrating, so frustrating. I said, well, just go do something about it. Right. Um, and 
to much to my chagrin some days, <laughs> he took the LSAT the next day, you know, signed up for the LSAT. I didn't take it that day. But he signed up the next day for the LSATs to see if he would be a good candidate for law school. I love it. Um, and the next fall, you know, he started at National School of Law. Um, and his goal is to be an, an advocate for foster children. Yeah. Um, you know, it may turn into... Uh, you know other aspects of legal work for him but sure that's sort of his goal is to see what he can do um to offer his services because there's just not enough of it out there absolutely absolutely that's yeah. awesome that that's really awesome it's, it's a cool thing i'm proud of him for doing yeah. it yeah um you know we have full life and we didn't we didn't stop anything we just added this to it right <laughs> that is how that works with every child you're kind of like and you got them all at one time yeah. I remember even when I was expecting my second child and working yeah. full-time and all of the things you're just like I don't know how we're going to fit this one in um yeah, but you just yeah. managed to move things around and and it just somehow works so yeah changes yeah um well as a mom of five I mean I know life's got to be incredibly busy jam-packed um Uh with everything you need to fit into a single day um yet you still are pursuing some of your passions that you mentioned um one of those being you know a big part of what brought you to Nashville with the whole singing thing so tell us about your band and all that fun stuff well, I, you know, that is what brought me here, um, and kind of a, in a way, it's how I met my husband. Okay. Um, and and it's, I, you know, I, despite the fact that I don't have time to do any of the extra stuff, I can't not do it. Yeah. Um. Or I because I want I want my kids to know who I really am, mm. not just who I am in order to take care of them. That's so good. Um, but who you know the 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 core of me. Um, and while it has changed, you know, it can't be the same, Hey, sweet love, I'm on the phone right now. Um, while it has changed, um, the way I can pursue it, um, I'm still doing it. Um, I don't sing as often, um, but I do, I still perform. I have a band that performs here in Franklin, um, around once a month at least. And we do some private stuff as well. A lot of times it grays on Maine here in Franklin, it's Candy Peppers, or Candace Peppers. Um, we, we actually call myself Candace these days since I've kind of grown up and matured, <laughs> you know. Um, no longer Candy, but more Candace. Um, but I couldn't give it up. Yeah. Um, I don't have time to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah. You know, I I work full-time, and now I'm doing this little mm-hmm. podcast thing on the side. And Because right. this is something I'm super passionate about. I've always loved uh-huh. writing and speaking. And yeah. I feel like, you know, myself, a lot of my mom friends, whether they work full-time or part-time or have a side hustle or they stay at home full-time, they right. often feel like taking time to do something for themselves is denying time for the kids, right? Um, yeah. 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 I um. I've been better, I think, at that as far as just challenging myself um, to take some time. And, and some days are harder to do that than others. Um, uh-huh. But I just have realized I'm close to 40, which is a little yeah. crazy to start thinking about. But um, yeah. the closer I get to just feeling like, I guess you could say what you were saying, I'm, I'm more mature now, right? I need to use yeah. my mature name. Um, but I'm realizing that, like, if I don't pursue something like that and give myself time, um, on the days where I've run myself completely out of gas, I'm not the kind of mom or wife, you know, or professional that I want to be. Um, right, so right. yeah, they, they need to see, 
they need to see you. Lo- I mean, I want my girls and my boys, but uh, you know, children in general, to grow up and find what they love, yep. be what they love, and do what they love. Um, and caring for others is is certainly a very high calling, um, but it can't be necessarily our only calling. Yep. Um, and and finding those things that we love to do and. As you said, it, some days, some days I don't get to any of the fun stuff, yep. or the happy stuff, or the stuff that you know sort of soothes me, mm-hmm. um, because I'm running around doing everything else. But as long as I have that in my sights, I think it still it keeps me knowing who I am. Yeah. Um, the day I give it up completely, I'm not sure I'll know who I am, and mm. certainly it's not going to be good for them. Yeah, that is so good. I, I love that. Um, you know, we hear this phrase a lot, this whole idea of self-care. Um, it's mm-hmm. one of the things that Sandy actually brought up in our interview was yeah. understanding what that means to you because yeah. self-care is so different, you know, for every, mm-hmm. um, you know, person. And some of us may love that physical fitness thing, going to the gym or going on a run or um, for right. others, it might be like complete quiet time. That's what the introvert in me likes. I want to read a book or just sit <laughs> yeah. and be quiet and listen to music or take a bath. Um, my sister on the other hand would love to go to like a bar downtown and be with 500,000 people because she's an extrovert and like needs that, you know? So, um, you know, one of the things I would just encourage listeners to do, it's a process I did, um, was just sit down and write down like, what do I enjoy? What brings me joy? What brings me yeah. peace? Because I don't think moms take very much time to ask ourselves those questions. No, we don't. We don't even take the time to ask them, much less answer them, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what yeah. are some of your kind of go-to self-care practices outside of those passions? Well, you know, I think, and I do just as anything. I think that changes from day to day. Sure. I'm definitely a bath person. I definitely love to take that quiet time. Um, I love anything that while I'm doing it, I can't be double tasking. Mm. That's sort of important for me because, you know, if I'm reading, I could also be folding or watching TV. I could be folding clothes. (laughs) Um, or if I'm, you know, anything that you can do two at the same time, I have learned that that's not best for me. That's so good. Um, But getting in the hot tub, I typically can't fold clothes while I'm in the hot tub Yeah. or, you know, those kind of things that I don't, even when sometimes when I just, you know, would lay out on the, on the, on the lounge outside, I thought I ought to be reading that book right now. Cause mm-hmm. I bought that book a few months back and I haven't even read it yet. And so even when joyful things become tasks, right. Um, so I think I tried to figure out that, that thing that, that takes me away from all others. I definitely love quiet because there's not enough of that in my yeah. house. Yeah. Um, I do love to walk, mm-hmm. um, just to strike out for a walk. Um, but again, there's got to be somebody here, you know, to, to, you know, to, and I typically worry a little bit, like, is everybody okay back at home <laughs> when I do that? Um, uh, but I think whatever that day, just like, what am I going to do? My husband always says that, what are you going to do for yourself today? Yeah. Um, he's really good at asking me that question. Um, what are you going to do for yourself today? Sure. Um, and sometimes it's work. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's, you know, nothing. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just, I kind of vacillate between what I need for the day and do my very best to get it in. Yeah, for sure. I didn't really put this in the questions, but you brought up your husband and I think, Uh 
Um, you know, when you're juggling working or pursuing dreams and you're juggling mom life, how does marriage fit into that equation for you? You know, it's really, really, it's, it's, um, it's so important, um, especially as stressful as the situation that Johnny and I both stepped off into yeah. with these children. And I won't say it's always been easy going, um, but it's better than I would have thought um, when we both, one of the things when we, when the kids came into our house, you know, there were those days that I thought I can't do this. Yeah. And there were days that he thought I can't do this, but thank God they were never on the same day. <laughs> um, if I thought we can't do this, he was all in a yes, we can mode yeah. or vice versa. And so, and maybe, maybe that was God looking down saying, Hey, or maybe that was just the way a marriage is where one says, you know what? She's kind of suffering right now. I'm going to, I'm going to bulk it up mm-hmm. and be strong. Um, it's, um, you know, it's a delicate thing sometimes. And then, and then once in a while we say, we got to go somewhere yeah, um, and, and do something. With five kids, that's hard. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, a babysitter that'll watch five little guys, that's a special, that's a special person. That's a special person. <laughs> it is. It's also like at least $50 an hour. So, you know. <laughs> uh, you, you know, we, we cannot, no, no kid, we cannot go to the movies um, and our babysitters typically always going to be about a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, you just, you can't, you can't not do it. And and so you got to kind of, you know, you got to plan well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to make all of that happen. But we found a way to make it work. And some days it's hard and some days we don't know what we're doing. You know, like what in the world did we sign up for? But, yep. you know, we remember that on one day, we signed up for it and knew we could do it. That's what my friend Ashley said and we interviewed last weekend. And she goes, honestly, when you are taking those vows, when you get married, you are Mm -hmm. so clueless as to what you are signing up for. You are just, you are basically just signing your name to a check and handing it to someone blank because it is just, it's more than you can imagine. So yeah, it is Yeah. So before we wrap up, you had mentioned to me you are working on a book. I don't know how you have time to do that. Um, no, but ca- I don't either. <laughs> you even said you're like 70% done. And I'm like, I don't know when you started, but I feel like that's a huge accomplishment. Two years. I've been working on it for two years, or at least two years, a little bit over. Yeah. <clears throat> I took My husband went on a, on a trip, and so I took this um, online writing course. Okay. And it has these prompts. And one of the prompts was write a book about your favorite conspiracy theory. And so, or not, not a book, but write a short story about your favorite conspiracy theory. And so I wrote this short story. I showed it to my husband, and he's, he almost had tears. I said, this is really good. Um, what do you think about stretching this out into a book? And I thought, I don't, I don't really know that I can do that. Right. And so I started reading and finding some information. And most authors say they just set this goal, this minimal goal of each day yep. to write a certain amount. Um, and most uh, kind of said, you know, 500 words a day. So I set the goal of every weekday that my kids go to school to write 500 words. That's amazing. Um, and so I kind of got, then I got pulled down into this cyclone of this story that I was writing. 
Um, and yet, and most novels are around 80,000 words. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, I hit 90,000 uh, yesterday. Congratulations. Um, That's amazing. Thank you. I got, and I still got some more story to tell, so this book might be way too long, but I'm going to let somebody else edit it and figure yeah. that out for me. <laughs> That's awesome. When you got started with that, did you kind of take your short story and stretch it out and kind of break it into chapters, or how did you go about that process? The, the short story, no, I expanded further into time Okay. from the short story. I, that sort of became my prologue. Um, cause it was a, it was a very, um, um, symbolic story. And so I kind of took that, um, you had a lot of imagery and that sort of thing, which was sort of the prompt to sure. do. And I just started going forward in time and brought other characters into it. Um, and it has this thread and, and, uh, when I, when it's, when it's done, I'll let you read it. Yeah. Um, I it love has that. this thread that runs throughout the whole book. Um, and there's a little piece of it that's connected to um, my childhood as well. So, sure. um, you know, it, who knows? It may be awesome. It may be awful, but it has been <laughs> this thing that, that is kind of, you know, br- that I've really honed in on. Um, and it feels like mine. Yeah. You know, and nobody else. Yeah. And it's just another, yeah. yeah, it's just another one of those things that, you know, you're like, I think I might like to do this. And you just go after yeah. it. You don't question, well, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does? What if it's yeah. decent? You know, yeah. if, if it does, I'm buying a beach condo. That's right, girl. I'm, I'm no worse off. So. Get yourself a nanny. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you pay for a couple of movie night dates, you just about can have one per month. Probably get a condo. Absolutely sure. So I got plans. We'll see what happens. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Thank you. Well, before we wrap up, if someone wanted to get in touch with you to ask questions about foster care or they had wanted to come out and see your band. um, Sure. Yeah. Where can people find you? Well, my... um, my band's page is candacepeppers.com and candace is k-a-n-d-a-c-e peppers plural.com that's my band page um and then you can find me personally um with uh, there's a link there to uh, email me um if you want to ask any questions about foster care about the band about whatever you want to ask just go to that candacepeppers.com and find that email link on that page. And I would love to talk to you about it. I have, I have so many thoughts and feelings and I will, I will open my heart and tell them to you. Yeah. Well, I just love that. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Sandy told me, me she was like, you're going to love her. You and her are very similar in a lot of ways. You're just going to love her. Um, and right now I just feel so blessed by anybody who's willing to come on the podcast because I'm just getting started. And so I so appreciate your time. It's your prologue, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Do you drive a minivan, by the way? I and mean, that's the name of the podcast. I, but. Well, you know, I've got five kids. So <laughs> what else are you going to drive, right? We actually had to shop minivans, and we took all the car seats. Because when I got the minivan, I had five car seats. Um, wow. So we took all the car seats and found a van that would fit. So yeah, I'm, I'm in a Toyota Sienna. Me too, girl. That's what I drive. And it will fit five car seats in there. If you get the right car seats, that's fantastic. Just right. That is fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and I will link, um, 
your webpage and everything when I post too. So that'll be easy for folks to find. Thank you. I so enjoy talking to you. All right. Well, have a good rest of your night. Yeah. And if you have any questions about fostering in the future, give me a call. I will. I will. Thanks, right. Candice. Thank you. Bye. Well, thanks for joining us for today's episode of Memoirs from the Minivan. I don't know about you, but I absolutely loved hearing Candace's story um, about how she became a mom and her heart now for fostering both her and her husband. Um, And she also really just encouraged me to make sure that I am pursuing my dreams and my passions alongside, you know, motherhood. I loved what she said about she wants her children to know who she is. And if she stops doing some of those things she loves, she's not sure she'll know who she is anymore. And that is just golden. I just love that. So I hope that this episode was a blessing for you. I hope that it encouraged you and hopefully made you giggle a little bit. Um, Don't forget to subscribe. Um, And if you would do me a favor and share um, to your social media so that we can um, let other mamas out there know that we are here and that we're a community to help help them be encouraged and affirmed um, and just appreciate all that, you know, we do and and accomplish and everything. So um, thanks for joining today's episode of Memoirs from the Minivan podcast. Have a great day.